Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, it is me, your host, Nicole DeBoom. I am very excited about today's episode. You are going to have a chance to meet one of the more prolific podcasters in the running and active space. Her name is Tina Muir, M-U-I-R. Her podcast is called Running For Real, and she's for real. So here's the real deal. Tina, um, in two years, has gone from zero to two million downloads. That's a lot of people listening to her podcast. Why? Well, first of all, it doesn't hurt that she has an amazing British accent, which by the way, she said mine is horrible, which you know what? I don't really care because I just do it for fun and to entertain my daughter, who you may actually hear in the background because right now she is singing to Jojo Siwa and has been begging me to ask Jojo if she would babysit her, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, Back to Tina. So why? Why has Tina been such a success in the podcasting world? Um, Let me give you a little background. She is a world-class runner, one of the best runners in Britain in the past decade. She's a marathon runner. She's amazing. She came clean with a big health issue, amenorrhea. Um, that she experienced for at least 10 years. And um, she came clean about it because she felt it was time. And when you open yourself up and become vulnerable to others, other people feel safe and more comfortable around you. And I think that's also a big part of the draw of Tina. She's also a coach. Um, She has really cool online programs. She's actually getting ready to launch a mental toughness program that's going to hit, gosh, I think in November. So we talk about it in the episode here, and you'll be able to sign up for that because the trick with the mental side of racing is that you can train for it. You don't think about it that way because we think about training as something that our bodies do, but we can train our minds as well and we need to. And the training that you do for the battlefield here for the to get to the finish line can also transcend into your real life. And I think that's a really big and important thing to remember. Um, the other thing is that Tina is a mama. So part of announcing, you know, her her battle with amenorrhea and her eating issues and eating disorders over the years is that she decided at some point here that she wanted to get pregnant. And so she needed to address her own health and she did get pregnant and she did have an amazing baby girl named Bailey. And what's cool about this episode is um, 
She was actually podcasting while Bailey was taking a nap or not taking a nap, which is always fun to, uh, the, the fact that we now have video monitors and we can watch our children. We watched Wilder for like five years on that freaking video monitor before we finally put it away. Um, but it was really fun because she was watching her basically roll around in her crib for most of our (laughs) interview. So, um, I'm really excited to share Tina's story to allow her to get on the other side of the microphone, something that she doesn't get to do all that much. But before we get started here, um, I want to talk to you for a second about Skirt Sports. We, uh, we have a big birthday coming up. We're going on 15 years. And uh, September 12th, 2004 was the day I crossed that finish line at Ironman Wisconsin wearing the first skirt and started the company shortly thereafter. And we have been through the most incredible ride. Next week, I will be posting a tribute to 15 years because I truly believe that 15 years of anything is big. It could be a relationship. It can be a job. It can be doing a sport it can be following some kind of routine or a hobby or a passion. 15 years is huge. Most of us don't start things thinking about 15 years down the road. So I'm really excited to share some of my stories and I'll also be taking questions. So if you have any questions, anything you want to hear, hit me up on social media. Um, I'll do a post about it on my channels, Nicole DeBoom channels and Skirt Sports channels. So you can always post questions there. Or if you just want to hear some stories, I mean, I'm planning to literally take you through the 15 year ride of this thing I call Skirt Sports. All right, everybody, that's about it. Um, Oh, another thing to note, if you are local, uh, September 6th through 8th, we have a huge warehouse sale at Skirt Sports Store in Boulder. So even if you live in like Wyoming, come down and hang out with us. Uh, Lots of awesome deals. If you want to get Skirt Sports for a deal, bring a shopping bag, wear your swimsuit. That's the trick. When you are in a really crazy place with very few dressing rooms, wear a swimsuit. It's going to be all women, or mostly, I assume. Um, and uh, you can change right in front of everybody if you got a swimsuit on. Just a swim bottom and a bra. Big deal. All right. Um, so that's it. Check us out. Come over and hang out with us. September 6th through 8th on Saturday morning, the 7th, I am going to lead a HIT workout. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's a high-intensity interval training. Um, it'll be a body weight workout. It's going to be right down the street. So come over to Skirt Sports around 8 o'clock, and we'll head over to the park at 8.30. That is it. That is it for this awesome intro. Um, I am sure you are very excited to hear about Tina. We cover so many topics. And with that, let's roll into it. Let's bring Tina on the show. Funny. So it's we'll- fine. Then. Like, this is just silent. I'll just keep this here. And- <gasps> oh my gosh, that's perfect. I love it. How old is she now? 19 months. And so how many naps is she doing? Just one. Wait, is she um, supposed to be napping right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually she's asleep by now. But like, listen. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, she's apparently... And the weirdest thing is I put her in childcare for an hour this morning, which she hates. 
I took her out for breakfast and took her to an art class because I was like, oh, she's absolutely going to be asleep. But she's not. So, but I'm not worried about it this way around. I'd be more worried the other way if she'd fallen asleep at like 11. And I'd oh, be yeah. like, Ugh. it's fine too. I mean, this is, this is life, right? This oh, is Oh, no, she, she's, she's quite happy in there. Sometimes she spends like two hours in there and I don't even know what she's doing. She just is quite happy in there. So, yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. Well, I just, I already started recording, so we might even include oh, this okay. little, this little bit of real this life. This is real life, yeah. Yeah. And That's I remember okay. those days. Those are, you know, in general, is she a good sleeper? She is. That's the thing. I'm very, very fortunate that at nighttime, she absolutely, I put her down in her bed. Uh, well, my husband does it, actually. He puts her down in her bed and she just plays for a while and then goes to sleep and wakes up 12 hours later. She really is. We've been very lucky with that. So, um, you know, uh, I'm very fortunate for her. And, yeah, she's quite happy in her bed. So she's yeah. uh, she's definitely an introvert. Uh, so she likes to kind of have her in space. So I think actually it's good for her, which is also good for me because I get some time. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, I, I was very fearful of mm-hmm. not getting enough sleep after I had a baby. Like that was mm-hmm. one of my biggest fears is that that would happen. And it totally because happened. Because of your sport? Well, yeah, like, were you worried about that? No, I was just, I need sleep. And everybody mm-hmm. said, like, you're not going to get any sleep. And I yeah. said, well, that can't be true. And then it really was true for me. Like, we had a bad sleeper. She's still not a great sleeper, and she's seven. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the people who have kids that sleep, I thought they were lying. I'm like, that Yeah, is- I've had people saying that, yeah. Yes, like, there's no way because please let us all be in the same boat. But I feel really happy for you because not, you know, I'm sure you have your nights and your days where, where it's tough, but uh, it definitely affects your brain. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think there's every, there's some things, you know, just the same as every person has different things about them, different strengths, different weaknesses. Uh, Same with kids. Like she may be a great sleeper and be okay on her own, but she, um, as I said, is very reserved, um, hates being around, like being left with other people, um, doesn't, is very nervous even, you know, in, in the store walking alongside me, like wants to be carried. If anyone comes, especially a bigger man comes near me, she's gets scared. So there's some, like she's, she's very clingy. So you know, as with every person, there's some good and bad things. Um, and things you have to kind of work through. So. That's true. And you know, one of my friends told me at the very beginning, and I'm, I was so grateful for this very simple advice, but she said, just remember, everything is a phase. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the clingy, it'll be a phase. I don't know how yeah. long it'll be, but it's a phase. Mm-hmm. Like all of it's a phase and we'll get through it and it'll come out yeah. the other side, good or bad. <laughs> I'm also learning... Um, I think because I am very social and, you know, we, when we talked on my podcast, you were very, uh, you kind of got this, I got the same vibe from you and I'm sure a lot of people listening. I love to be around other friends. I love to like meet up and just, I kind of get energized by like my social, um, like circle essentially. Whereas my husband is very much the opposite. He likes his own space. He's quite happy in his own company. Um, and so I wanted her to be like me. So I would like push her into the middle of a circle of kids and she was just terrified. Um, and I'm trying to learn like, just cause I like being amongst other people doesn't mean she is. So, um, it's all been a bit of a learning curve to, to kind of understand this, this new life. <laughs> well, you're right on. And you know, it's really about letting people be who they are. Exactly. Yeah. 
including ourselves. And that's why you're mm-hmm. here on the show today, because you interview yeah. a lot of people, but you don't get enough interviews for people to really <laughs> understand who you are and what you're going yeah. through. Well, thank you. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. This is going to be awesome. No, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, so you clearly have an accent. Do you like mm. my fake accent? Does this sound like I'm British or South African or something? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm afraid that's not the best accent, British accent I've ever heard. Um, but I can give you a, maybe a B, a solid B, not quite a B plus effort. Effort, effort is everything. Um, well, so, so you're obviously not from the great old USA. So maybe you can share with everybody uh, where you grew up. Yeah, well, weirdly enough, I was in a cafe this morning and I was sitting there talking to Bailey and a woman said, are you British? And I said, yeah, are you? And she said, yeah. And I met someone last week who is British. So maybe maybe there's more of us coming over here than you realize. Well, there's um, three at least. <laughs> there's three in Lexington. Actually, I know there's four because I know there's one more. So there's at least four of us. Um, but yeah, so I, um, I'm from England, uh, just north of London for anyone who's interested. Um, and I um, came over to the US when I was 18. Uh, well, I spent nine months in California before I went to university. In England, it's quite common to do what they call a gap year where you just kind of go off. Some people go to like Thailand or traveling, things like that. I have always loved America. I was thinking about going to university here. So I decided to come here to see if I was going to, if I was ready to commit to a four or five year stretch over here. Because in England, most degrees are only three years. So it four or five seemed like a long time. Um, and I loved it. Uh, I did not get, I got denied my visa to stay in California. So I didn't stay in California, but they somehow accepted it to let me go to university in Michigan. Um, and I pretty much felt like I was on my knees begging without actually doing it to even let me go to the U S because once you have that little black tick next to your name or black mark next to your name, there is a, there's no going back from that. It's forever on there. So um, I had to fight to really get over here. But then once I was here, everything was great. I uh, went to university uh, on a running scholarship for my uh, running ability and uh, finished, met my husband, have been here since, uh, spent a few years as a professional runner. So yeah, Let's, and uh, now we're here. I love that. So now, wait, do you have a green card now? I have a green card, yes. You're not going to get kicked out. <laughs> well, I was actually told my first year of college that when you're on a green card, it's just um, you're basically always on edge because they can always find a reason to kick you out. Wow! So they always they always encouraged us to become citizens, but I just can't do it because if you if you become a citizen in the US, America doesn't recognize dual citizenship. So if I want to become a U.S. citizen, I have to give up my British passport. And I just can't do that. Wow. I just can't do it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't intend on changing that. Uh, and hopefully I don't make any massive wrong steps anywhere and get kicked out. But now I have a daughter that's American. I think they'd have a pretty hard time kicking me out anyway. <laughs> well, you're definitely not a bad seed. So <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> So, um, so you clearly were a talented runner before you, you know, during your formative years, I imagine, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. at what age did you realize you had talent? 
Um, well, I've told the story many times before that I actually hid in the bathrooms for the what was the equivalent of the tryouts uh, for my school. So I didn't like running initially, um, but somehow I ended up on the team, which I'm assuming was just because I kind of ran myself to the front of my PE class. And um, they said, you know, you're on the team now. I, I'm not really sure. I don't remember. Um, but I remember finishing fourth in my lo- in my city, St. Albans, um, the city of St. Albans in a race and thinking that's not that far away from first. Um, and that kind of got my drive going. And I was about 13, 14 years old. Uh, and I met with a coach and he really started to um, help me improve uh, rather than just being like, I think me and my dad would, um, he would walk around in the evening, you know, when it was dark and would send me down a little like, um, like a circle, one of those circle roads um, half semicircle and he would walk straight down the middle and then I'd you know just so I was running while he could walk across the middle um, so actually having some training and doing some actual proper workouts uh, made a big difference although that being said my coach was absolutely adamant he did not want me to end up burned out so he was very very careful with me to the point to where I would get a bit frustrated because I would hear what other girls were doing um, I always wanted to push harder but I, he wouldn't let me. He was very, very controlled of me. But now I am, I owe so much to him. Uh, Brad, I always mention him because without him, I don't think I'd be here right now. I think I would have burned myself out as many young, promising athletes do. So, you know, advice for people who have kids who mm. are, you know, they maybe can see that they have some natural talent. You know, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, this is a really um, passionate topic for me. This is something I really feel strongly about because I saw so many athletes uh, who were absolutely crushing it, you know, winning races by minutes. I was looking at them at the time just like they were gods. Um, I specifically remember uh, one race where one of the girls who was just this goddess who actually ended up coming over to the U.S. as well. um, She doesn't run anymore. Uh, she, I remember passing her once in a race and she ended up dropping out with a back injury, but I remember passing her and she, I was like, Oh my God, it doesn't matter what happens now. I've passed her. Like I've had an amazing race. And you know, so I looked at these people like they were just these gods that could do no wrong. Um, but again, I, um, I think it's very easy to look at these young athletes with promising potential. And I hear this all the time. I'm sure you do too. Oh, you know, if they're running this, this time at 10 years old or eight years old, six years old, um, 12, whatever. Oh my God, they're going to be at the Olympics. They're going to be running this. They're going to, you know, and it's very easy to do that. But especially with girls, especially with girls, it is so important to remember that they haven't gone through puberty yet. It's going to have a massive impact on their little bodies. And not only um, do girls kind of have this change where their hips will widen and their whole body shape will change, um, but they also, girls tend to be very, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. You know, we've been taught um, subconsciously or otherwise um, that we need to be, you know, good and we get rewarded for being helpful and quiet and being the good kid. And uh, if you are not careful with these little girls in particular that show promise, you are setting them down a path where they're going to become 
perfectionists. They're going to become obsessed with results, putting all this pressure on themselves. And I see it time and time again with young athletes uh, putting like seeing these races as if I don't run this, my life is over. Or if I don't run this time or win this race, everyone is going to think I'm a waste of space and useless. So as much as possible, try and keep the joy in it for them. Try and let it be fun. Yes, they can run fast, but they have an entire lifetime to do that. And they're going to do the best if they can maximize their university years or, you know, from late teens to mid 20s. If they can really get the most out of themselves that time, that is when you're going to see the most of them. It doesn't work the way that people think where if they run fast at 10 and then they must be even faster at 20 and even faster at 30. It doesn't work that way. Sorry, yeah. that was quite long and rambly. <laughs> no, it's a great, um, I get the passion behind it too. I mean, we both experienced success young. So we were both, mm. you know, um, at risk of that burnout factor. I know I burned out in swimming mm-hmm. here and there throughout the years. And, um, but what I'm realizing too, as you're talking is there's something about our competitive drive that it it's it peaks at certain points in life. I mean, I don't know, at least for sport, my competitive drive has changed dramatically. Yeah. I don't maybe you can talk about yours because you know, you retired at the peak of your possibly your prime. Mm-hmm. You know, so what was it about your competitive drive that you know, either ebbed or something else became a priority? Mhm. I think uh, during my teenage years, during those years I was just talking about, that competitiveness was very much there. And because I couldn't fully use it in my running, yes, I could use it in races, but because I always felt like I was being held back, it always kept it there. Like it was um, just allowing it to kind of simmer away um, and I would unleash it on races sometimes and then it would just be simmering there. But And then uh, once I got into towards the end of my college career and my life as a professional athlete, it really became everything. Um, and I know you understand this where it just, you compete with everything. I mean, it would be like, I'm, I'm, I've parked at a restaurant and someone parks at the same time next to me and I've got to get to the door first because if I get to the door first, if there's a wait, then I have to, don't have to wait behind them. Like it would be things like that. And and sometimes I still do that. That's not <laughs> going to go away, but it would be everything. Like um, if I, uh, if I had, if I saw someone out on the, on a run and it was a man, if he passed me, I'd be like, no, you did not. And I'd like pass him back again, just f- for the sake of my own ego. Um, and so I think then it became a case of, um, competitiveness kind of took over and I gave it everything I had and I'm really proud of that I managed to accomplish that lifetime dream of running for my country Um, but then after that I think I realized and I think many people realize this I know you did that you kind of realize once you achieve we always think when I achieve this level I'm just going to be happy and um, you know we hear about how like Michael Phelps had depression and you think how could he have how could he have depression like how can you be unhappy when you have however many gold medals he has. But I think it's because you realize that life hasn't changed. You're still the same person. Um, And for me, once I got to that point, it was kind of like, okay, what's next? And I didn't really have the drive to work that hard again, to, to go into that well that it took 
And it's not that I regret it in any way. I'm really proud of what I did. And I don't know, maybe I'll get that back again someday that I want to to do that after we've, um, you know, finished having children. But um, for now, uh, yeah, my competitiveness is still there. But I, I'd say it's also kind of balanced out with a sense of um, what's the point in taking it that far, like, um, that puts you in a stage where you know you're just frustrated and unhappy like I said about walking to the to the restaurant fast that just raises my blood pressure gets me frustrated and what happens if a car drives in front of me right at that moment I could either get hit or that could slow me down and then the other person gets in front of me and now oh for god's sake now they're in front of me you know like had I just let that go then it would have been like oh well I'll wait extra two minutes so uh I think it's also, yeah, realizing that there's so much more to life than than winning everything. You know, did this hit you all at once? Was there like a certain race or a day in training where you were like, something's changed? I'm um, not, I don't want this as badly anymore? Or was it a slow progression? Yeah. It, um, well, the, yeah, it, it did hit me suddenly the day that I stopped running and decided I wanted a family. It was instant um I was in the middle of a workout I just stopped dead just done um unfortunately I had to run home I don't understand like literally you were in your head you were like this Um, isn't working well I did have I had a I had some part of fate that put its played its part in this but I I gradually noticed that rather than saying to myself um I can't do this which is what we quite often say like I can't do this this is too hard I'm struggling too much I want to stop this is too hard and it's more a case of like you're just you're kind of flailing and um you're trying to talk yourself around whereas suddenly or not suddenly I've noticed over time after this achieving this goal of running for Great Britain and running 236 in the marathon which I deemed very respectable um, I kind of noticed that I started saying I'm done. And if someone says to you, I'm done, or you can't say, no, you're not get back out there. You're like, okay. You know, that that's a plus final. Whereas like I can't is yes, you can, but I'm done is, um, all right, well, there's nothing I can say. So I noticed that. And then, yeah, I, I was running a workout, um, around my hometown track. I had done, hundreds of hours on the around that track over the years but for some reason uh that day it was quite early um the the gates were locked which I'd, I've never known this to be locked um I hopped the fence I was running around the track and not a very big fence before you think you're thinking I'm a ninja it was literally like to my waist um <laughs> and uh yeah uh and then someone came out and told me to get off the track um because I wasn't supposed to be out there. Um, and so usually, you know, if, if someone, if something like that happened, especially where I was, you would just say, all right, well, my workouts all screwed up, but I'm just going to go do what I can out on the roads. I'll just do some minute, minute repeats, or I'll do something to make up for it. Um, but no, that something snapped in me that moment. And I was like, I'm done. And I, yeah, I didn't know if I'd ever run again. Um, as I said, I, I started to say, I, um, unfortunately was a 20 minute run away from my house and it would have taken my parents probably 45 minutes to get there by the time of day it was so I was like well I guess I'll run home so I ran home absolutely blubbering like full-on wailing the whole way home um and 
and yeah so that was the kind of the the like turning point moment when this snap for me and then since then I'd say my mind has been kind of growing especially having a daughter thinking about the pressure that I'm putting on her the way that she the world that she's going to grow up in and and how I want her to be so it's just constantly um in motion now and, and growing would you say that you're very in tune with your body I, I was talking about this with my husband I uh last week I I know I used to be like a hundred percent. I could sense, like I knew I was pregnant the first time around. Um, I said that the first time around. I I'm not pregnant now, but I just mean, <laughs> I knew it immediately. Like um, I was just like, I don't know. Within a few days, I was like, I'm pregnant. I knew it. And, and there's no real explanation for that. I just knew it. Um, but then I was saying to him, uh, last week that I, I don't feel like I can sense and understand my body as well as I used to with just not even just that, but like um, get sensing when I'm when I'm getting dehydrated or sensing when I um, need to eat or something physical that's bothering me. I used to be so in tune with it. And now I feel like I've lost some of that. Yeah, I, I think part of that might be just not being as intense of an athlete anymore. Yeah. But maybe you're more in tune with the way your emotions affect your mm-hmm. body physically. Yeah, that's true. Um, Probably. You know, I also think it's definitely worth talking about. A lot of people already know this about you. It's part of like what what made you go viral is your story about your experience with amenorrhea. Mm-hmm. And um, you wrote a book about it. This was a big part of possibly, you know, wanting to have children was about getting your cycle on track and actually having a period and you being able to do that would allow you to have a family. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience, maybe paraphrase it. I don't know. You just just fill us in. How did that mm-hmm. happen for you and how did you overcome it? Yeah, so... Um- well, just to, from what we were talking about, about a minute ago, so that moment happened with the kind of I'm done thing. Um, but I think part of the reason I reached that point was partly because of what I said about um, kind of accomplishing my goal and not really finding another one. But another part of it was I'd had this this thing eating away at me for years, you know, that, that secret we all have um, that we that we hide. I mean, you, it was um, you talking about your sobriety on my podcast – Um, and you, like me, are very like real and open with things. And I really prided myself as an elite athlete of sharing everything. Um, I had a blog that was doing well. I was honest with my social media, but I had this little, this little lie that I, um, was hiding all along, which was, yeah, that I didn't have a period. I hadn't had one, um, in nine years and I was just, um, uh, every month uh, at the beginning, I was thinking about it, but as time had gone by, I had just kind of been like, well, that's just how it is. Doctors weren't helpful, um, and I had kind of given up trying, but at the same time, I was very aware that you can't have a child if you're not ovulating. <laughs> so once that moment kind of hit I, I uh, that I wanted to stop running, that became priority number one, and I channeled, you mentioned competitiveness, every single bit of competitiveness I had into that I'm going to get my period back as quickly as I possibly can and I did um I really I was pregnant within 10 weeks maybe 12 10 weeks I think 
um, and fell pregnant on that first cycle, um, got it back at the absolute minimum of what the experts, the endocrinologists and the OB said I could get it back. Um, and I really went all in with it. Um, but yeah, it was something that a lot of women have, have been going through, are still going through, but it's something that's not really talked about. Um, it is kind of seen a bit of a, well, was kind of seen as a bit of a badge of honor. Um, it meant you were working really hard. And um, also, uh, you know, I was absolutely adamant it was not about my eating. Uh, I was eating enough. And I did eat a lot of food, but it was in very big, like, waves. Sometimes if I had done a long run the day before, you better believe I could just pound a pack of snacks, uh, pancakes and eat them with peanut butter and chocolate sauce and everything. But on a day I did a regular run, well, I was probably eating a salad. So, um, you know, it was very just like up and down, probably just freaking my body out. And, and yeah, so I decided to speak out about it because I knew um, other people were going through it. And I knew it was something that needed to be brought into the public light because if I was feeling broken and alone, then a lot of other women would be too. And, and I think that's really important. And it's making me think about, you made a statement like it, you called it a lie or a secret. And, you know, there's a fine line between when you bear everything about yourself with everyone mm-hmm. or even the people yeah. close to you. Like there's, there's certain things that maybe don't need to be worn on your sleeve. But um, in this case, was it just starting to feel like you were hiding something? Um, yeah, I think a lot of it was that, um, I had heard little snippets of conversations about people, um, saying about, uh, you know, not eating enough, um, and, uh, just kind of noticing the way that other people were talking about the topic of, yeah, not eating enough, not having a period and feeling, and I would kind of stay very quiet or if someone was talking about the, their period cramps, I would like, slink out of the room because I had no reference for that so it was just little uh little parts of me that I felt like I had to hide from people other than those who were really close to me um and and yeah just um I guess it it never really needed to be someone um someone you know something I had to share with everyone but at the same time I knew that I had the confidence to speak out about it Whereas many women would just suffer in silence for many years, feeling way worse than I did because I had, you know, other things to kind of like I had my running to kind of celebrate to say it was worth it. But um, quotes in air quotes. Um, but I knew other people maybe weren't weren't in that situation, but didn't have the the upside of it, I guess. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure they felt like taken care of, too. You know, maybe we could talk a little bit about these sort of dubious badges of honor, you know, you're like, it's kind of in the elite ranks. It means you're working really hard. You know, what is, why are we caught up in that? Like, why do we need to keep pushing until we can be so extreme? Yeah. Or I, I think you see that a lot in, in particularly with runners in, in mileage. Um, well, I'm running 120 miles. Well, I'm running 130 miles. Like, fine, I'll up you. I'll run 150. Um, and I think we see that a lot. And I think part of it is, uh, you know, the, the women definitely, we have that competitiveness, but we also have that um, struggle with comparison. We, um, like I said earlier, we, we tend to be 
um, to really have to fight hard to not be perfectionists and want to do everything right. And uh, if, you know, something like um, losing your period um, is something that you feel you're doing everything right because, well, if I'm losing my period, then I'm, even though that's completely wrong because your body's not functioning, so it's not right, but you may, I, I maybe saw it as, well, if I'm getting this thin, then I'm, I'm looking like everyone else did. So that's kind of what it came down to for me. I wanted to look like the other elite runners that I was um, going up against. But I think, yeah, we as women can be very competitive and just, um, in some ways, unfortunately, I feel like I've grown since then. But I think, unfortunately, we, we kind of get in each other's way as well. Um, uh, particularly when you're a younger um, person, athlete, whatever, who hasn't maybe matured enough to realize that we as women should be supporting one another and 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 raising each other up, not not pulling each other down. But um, I think we kind of see it when we're younger as um, any way possible to stand out, any way possible to to be better than everyone else. So I don't know. Well, and it's more dangerous today because we're constantly comparing with other people. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of have mentioned the the comparison trap as something that it's it hits all of us every day, no matter how yep. much self confidence we have. So, how do you yeah. deal? How do you deal with it? Um, I I definitely I definitely do deal with it even now. Um, I have to remind myself uh, a lot of it comes for me as uh, looking at Instagram um, there's a lot of that ping of um, oh that's so cool look at where they are visiting or um, you know like in another podcast it might be like, oh they had that guest on um, I wish I could get that guest or there's there's a lot of it around but I remind myself um, that not looking um, is probably the safest way for me to be around that like I if I if something makes me feel bad why am I doing it so if that's um on if that's muting someone on Facebook um if I need to do that for a little while while that thing is very sensitive to me um I've been reading a lot about how the things that we are the most uh insecure about or the things you get jealous of the things that you are envious of in other people are the things that you really need to that they're your own insecurities or the things that you judge people for say oh that that's so bad they're doing that those are the things that you are most susceptible to judging yourself on so I've kind of realized if I am judging other people I need to kind of step away from that because that's my own thing that I need to work through Um, and then I think with comparison it's looking at my own lane um, I write down um, gratitude every morning some uh, 10 things that I'm appreciative for in my life and I think that helps a lot of staying in my own lane and uh, reminding myself of what I have done what's special about me and what I appreciate um, and yeah it's 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 tough it's, it is hard not to compare um, I love reading more and more about this topic because I just find it so interesting particularly for women, because we seem to be the most susceptible to it. Well, at least we, I don't know, we're more vocal about it, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, here's Absolutely. another, here's a really cool thing. So I get your your newsletters. You send them out at least once a week or maybe once yeah. a week. Yeah, and, once um, a week. 
Okay, you guys have to get on and subscribe. The cool, you don't have to read them all, whatever. Sometimes people are like, I'm too busy. But some (laughs) days you are going to open up a newsletter by Tina and it's going to speak to you. And um, you're actually, the one you sent maybe yesterday was just awesome and hilarious. It was about giving up trying to be cool. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it because it was like a throwback, right? It was a throwback mm-hmm. to high school when we're all trying to be cool. And that's normal. Everybody's trying to be cool at that time. I, I wish we could all skip that phase in life. I wish our daughters could skip that phase in life, but they probably won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you were talking about Backstreet Boys, which was very, oh, yeah. which was totally cool. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just sort of like about embracing the things that we're kind of embarrassed of, right? And I bring this up because, you know, here we are talking about the comparison game and a lot of what the comparison game is, is being caught up in trying to be put on some kind of persona or be better or cooler than maybe we think we really are. Right. Yeah. And we see someone else as being that we're like, but I just want to be like that person. So I don't know, maybe share a little bit about that, that letter you wrote. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, uh, like uh, Nicole said, yeah, I would love to have any of you join my um, email list. It's it's just once a week. Um, It's always like kind of either a thought or a challenge. Um, I'll just write something that's going through my head or something I'm working through Um, and then at the bottom there's just some updates on things I've been doing or things to listen to or check out Um, but yeah this week um, I was going to the Backstreet Boys concert that evening I was driving three hours to go to Nashville from Lexington to go watch it this is the second time I've seen them on this tour and um, I just yeah I was thinking back about how there are so many things that I had hidden over the years from the world because I didn't want people to think I was uncool or to laugh at me and so the Backstreet Boys was one example yes they were kind of cool when they first came out but then it was embarrassing to say you still listen to them and I did even through college I would listen to them and I remember I found one guy in my um in my dorm that loved Backstreet Boys and we would go and listen to it in 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 one of our rooms and I just loved that I had someone who actually liked it because everyone else was like Backstreet Boys like what is that um and then there was things like uh when I first started running running wasn't cool so I would run in the dark um I would make sure that no one saw me running because I didn't want them to see me in running leggings and I do remember specifically one friend of mine once I was in school and he said did I see you out running yesterday and I was like (gasps) Oh my God, he saw me. Like, I was so embarrassed. Like, yes, that was me. And I think I even made up some excuse about why I was doing it. Like I had to or something. But it was because I was too embarrassed to admit it. And then um, I also talked about an obsession with Wentworth Miller, who uh, many of you may know from Prison Break, and how I used to watch fan-made videos of him like to love songs for hours. So there were these three things that I'd always kind of been so embarrassed of, but yeah, it was exactly what you said, kind of embracing that we all have these weird and wonderful things. And Nicole, I have to tell you, I had so many emails from people saying, I love, you know, I love this band or that band, or, you know, I still like to do this. And just people sharing things. And it was nice. Uh, They seemed to appreciate that they had the permission to, um, to say it. And then I kind of followed through with it the next day by putting up a picture of my concert on my social media just to kind of prove my point that 
I didn't care if it was cool. I didn't care if it got 10 likes instead of, uh, you know, 50,000 or whatever. I didn't care. Um, I, uh, and so I just did it because that made me happy, very, very happy. And that was enough for me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like we need to make, it's not even like being uncool is the new cool. It's like being imperfect is the new perfect. Mm-hmm. And that, I, was I love listening. that concept. Although I was listening to um, an audiobook and she was talking about this concept of um, the imperfectly perfect thing. And she was saying in some ways, it is good in some ways, but in some ways it's bad because now people feel like they have to get um, a, a picture of themselves or a situation that isn't perfect, but is perfect enough that it put, put, um, paints them in a positive light without it being, um, you know, too, uh, making them look bad or making them feel like everyone's going to roll their eyes at them. And she was saying that it's this whole new thing that teenagers are having to work through. Like, for example, the, um, the selfie with no makeup, saying that like teenagers are trying to do this, but then now they're like, well, now I've got to get myself in the best light to make myself look pretty without makeup. And it's all, so there's so many ways we, we take everything and we just turn it into this like head case situation. You're right. So. I mean, I think part of it is just trying to get rid of the pressure. Yeah. That's what it is. And just trying to allow yourself to be without mm-hmm. expectation or fear of judgment or anything. And that's yeah. the hardest thing. And that's like, you know, I think oh, yeah. about being a mom today. And maybe we can shift a little bit to um, parenting and parenthood mm-hmm. and how you did get pregnant and you did have a baby. And is she napping right now? Nope. She's standing up on, <laughs> she's literally standing up looking around. It's been 38 so, minutes. She's been... <laughs> it has. She's, and she woke up this morning at 5.30 a.m. And it's now 1.40 p.m. So now, who knows what she's running on right now. But <laughs> You said she's a good sleeper, but today she's going to prove you wrong. Yeah, Today's well, her day. I mean, of, she's she's happy. I can see she's just looking around. That's great. I don't know. Yeah. So, But here we are. You know, we're both raising daughters. Your daughter's a year and a half old. I have a seven-year-old. Um, you mentioned earlier, like when you're done having children, you're not pregnant right now, but clearly you're thinking about having number two. Mm-hmm. Um, t- let's talk a little bit about that. Like what's going on with you? What's driving you to want to, you know, create a bigger family? <laughs> Why would I want to put myself through that again? <laughs> I <laughs> do don't know. Sometimes I, don't, I do yeah. think that about like my body. I like look at my body and I'm like, oh God, like do I really want to like, put all that stress on it again um but yes I do um I yeah we we I I just uh, unfortunately and there's nothing wrong with anyone who who doesn't feel this way but I I loved having my sister so much um and even now like it I just love being able to call her up and I just couldn't I just always envisioned a life with um two kids unfortunately or not unfortunately but it's always been two little girls because my family is all girls it's running a joke with my dad because he literally has about 15 20 girls in his life and not one man other than my sister and I's husband it's all girls so it's like the running joke that I don't think I'm gonna have I think I'm gonna have girls so that but that's always what I've put pictured in my head um and so yeah I just I don't know. I, I, I love the idea. I loved the idea of having sisters, um, or a brother, but, um, 
And uh, yeah, I feel like I did luck out, which scares me a bit, to be honest, because Bailey is a good sleeper. She's very, like I said, calm um, and a content baby. She likes to go play on her own. So I am genuinely scared that I hit the jackpot. And so I'm going to end up with an absolute terror. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how I would handle it because of that exact thing, that expectations thing of like, oh, it's not so bad. But, you know, we're going to go ahead and try and do it anyway. But, um, yeah, so we plan on, on having a family within the next year, having a family, adding to our family within the next year. And then uh, for me, it's interesting for the first time since I was 14, running is like third on my list. Uh, I So I my family is number one. I am with Bailey most days. My husband leaves at five, gets home between 2 p.m. and 5 um, and so it's mostly her and I, and I, I love it. I really do. I, I remind myself often that, um, I get to go to the zoo and call that a day at work or, um, go to the orchard and pick some apples and sit and eat a cider donut. And that's my job for the day. And don't get me wrong. There are lonely moments. There are, you know, I call my family on FaceTime quite a lot and I literally just leave, the FaceTime sitting there and I just stare at a wall because or stare out into space and you know let them kind of interact with her because I just need a break but at this at the for the most part I do really just love it especially at this age and um and then my work is second my business is second and my running is whatever I've run four times this week oh no sorry I've run twice this week and I'm only going to get a max of four runs in for the week before that would have freaked me out knowing that I wasn't running seven days a week um, and I'd had to take two unplanned ones off. But it just kind of is how my life is right now. So very much kind of following joy and also just kind to soak in this moment because I'm sure you remember, Nicole, every single person who's a parent tells you how fast it goes. So I'm trying my best to kind of remind myself that, yes, this is such a fleeting moment. And uh, if I don't take advantage of it, I'm going to regret it. So, And I'm so glad you are. And yes, somebody told me, like, you think your life is going fast now. Just wait till you have a kid. It's going to go on fast forward. Yeah. And it feels like it. Uh-huh. Um, well, you, and you kind of mentioned like your job and your career. So we didn't really talk much about that. But when you finished racing, I mean, how did you sort of build your empire? <laughs> <laughs> That's nice hearing it. I've never heard it be called Isn't an empire. Cool? But yes, yeah. I'll, I'll take that word. All right. Um, I, well, I, the weird thing was I, I launched my business pretty much around the same time I stopped running. Um, and somehow that was okay with me. Um, I don't know if you know this, if you've been through this, but I'm sure people listening have, when you're injured, you want nothing to do with running. If you have a long injury or your sport, you just want to be away from it. You don't want to, you don't even want to meet up with your friends who are in it because it's too painful to have that conversation of how theirs is going or to know what to talk about. So you don't want to be around it. But somehow, because this was my choice, because I said, I'm done, I'm making the decisions, I kind of slotted out of the the life pretty easily, similar to you, actually, and was able to channel um, kind of my energy into setting up a business in running, which somehow I didn't mind doing. It didn't bother me at all that I was working 
um, on helping other runners. And actually, I quite like the fact that I was being able to kind of live through other people and pass on my wisdom to them. Um, so then it started off with the podcast because that was kind of what I was known for at the time, having a running podcast. I originally hosted the Runners Connect podcast uh, called Run to the Top. And so I started my own podcast and decided I wanted to do some other whatever I could to help runners be their best to, to reach their level of potential. So I, uh, I made a strength training program with my coach. I um, My strength training coach, that is, uh, my husband and I made some marathon training, half marathon and 5K, 10K programs, and um, just started building connections so that I could do other things within the running world, you know, guest articles um, for magazines and um working with brands and yeah, just kind of grew from there very naturally. Um, I would say the biggest thing I did was just building connections like, and actually genuinely caring about people, not sending them an email saying, hi, I loved your article on X. Would you link to my article on Y? Like it, which is what a lot of people do in this industry. And I hated that. So I really would tailor things to people and actually spend some time getting to know them. And I think that's really what's helped me a lot is that people know I'm genuine. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel quite proud of that. You are definitely very genuine. And that's that's part of, I mean, that's got to be a big reason why your podcast has also been so successful. I mean, you literally took it from zero to two million downloads in two years. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's pretty unheard of. Do you, was there like a magic formula here? Um, no, I mean, I think I'd learned a lot through the other podcast of what to do. And, and one thing I did learn that was, again, it comes down to those connections, like building connections, saying to people, Hey, this person mentioned you, um, and said how amazing you are in the episode. And, you know, that makes that person feel good. But I think uh, a lot of what I feel made me stand out was not a lot of people feel like podcasts should just be the the elite, the pros, the experts, the the top of the top. But people actually really resonate with everyday people. So I, occasionally I would have episodes on that featured someone who was a five-hour marathoner, but maybe they had... Uh, like I had one guy on who had lost both of his legs, you know, he, he wasn't able to run and, and now he'd been able to get back to running or maybe it's someone who, um, uh, had just, um, like someone who was at this, uh, near the Boston bombing site, uh, when it happened, you know, that's just an everyday person. And I think those kind of things really resonate with people as well, because it's all right hearing from elites and professionals and experts, but, sometimes we can put them on this pedestal that um, makes it seem like their life, like their life is so different to us. Like, Oh, that's amazing. Good for you, but I'm not there. So it's nice for people to hear everyday people that do something special because that makes um, the person listening feel good as well. I mean, do you think you were sort of made to help other people pull their stories out? You know, like what makes you, what makes people want to share with you? Mm -hmm. I think um, I've always kind of been interested. I've always said I always love making people feel good about themselves. Um, I like reminding my friends and family what makes them special. Um, and I actually had a bit of a, not a disagreement with my husband as such, but I had to explain to him on birthdays that for me, 
when it's someone's birthday that I really care about, that whole day in my head is about them. I'm basically like grateful for that person. Like I'm so thankful this person's on this world. I remember when they we did this together. I remember how special this was. They're so special. <coughs> Excuse me. But then to him, a birthday you used to be before he met me. Now he knows knows better, especially with my birthday. Um, now that for him, a birthday was always like, oh, I'll send them a text or give them a FaceTime at 9 p.m. at night and just wish them a happy birthday. Um, so I've always liked people ma- making people feel good um, and making them realize that they are special people just as they are. Um, but I think uh, people feel because I share with them that they can share with me. And I've had all kinds of people reveal secrets to me that Honestly, half the time I don't even know what to say because I've never experienced anything like that. Um, I did have um, a woman who reads my uh, newsletters, my emails, and she said to me about an alligator like coming into her boat in South Africa, I think, and trying to pull her into the water, like literally trying to rip her arm or leg off, uh, like things like that. And um, so I think people just feel they can trust me and share with me because I am real and authentic with them so I think that's more it that I my my strength is my authenticity and being able to kind of say things as they are rather than being just able to pull people's stories up I think you're right I think too um it's about vulnerability right Mm -hmm. just being able to unabashedly share things that other people might feel they're trying to still keep a secret but it's time to let it out that you like the Backstreet Boys, you know? <laughs> I love yep. it. So so you've got this business that has a lot of facets. I mean, you're a writer, you do podcasting, you're a coach, you know, you have the training programs. You actually have a new training program coming out, don't you? Mm-hmm. It's about am, uh, mental training? Yeah, I am I love it. so excited about this. Um, so I've always... N- I've always been trying to get the point across to people, um, everyday runners, people probably listen to this podcast, that even though you might see someone like Nicole or I competing and it looks like we're just having a grand old time and it's easy and we're just like gazelles and we're running so fast and everything is just easy, it's not. And we are feeling that same thing. Like every single elite race I did, the thought of dropping out went through my head. And not just the thought, not like I'm going to drop out, but literally like maybe I'll start limping for a few seconds so then people will think I've pulled my hamstring and then I can walk off the court. Like like seriously considering it. Um, But at the same time, we also have spent the time learning how to deal with it. What do you do when your mind is screaming mayday at you? Um, And so or what do you do when you're thinking about that giving up? So I've always been fascinated with that. And I I knew that it wasn't just a case of you or I or someone else, someone might look up to being just talented at that. We've just worked at it. So I wanted to create something that gave all the things I've learned through my experience, through the psychologists I've interviewed on the podcast, the mental coaches, um, the performance experts, all of them, what could I put it in one place? So that if someone says, I really want to get my mental get mental head in the game. I want to improve my mental toughness. Well, here you go. Here's a 12-week program. Each week you have something to work on. You have a video to watch. You have some worksheets to fill out. 
Um, and so I've, yeah, made it into this package thing and, and it is, um, I'm really proud of it. And I've got the beta group going through it right now and they are absolutely loving it. And I'm seeing the, the feedback come in and it's just getting me so excited. Um, and yeah, it's going to go on sale um, in uh, the middle of November. So a little while away, but um, I really want to get it right so that everything or not, not perfect, but we said not perfect, uh, but I want to get it to where um, it is going to help people for their spring marathons. And as I said, it's a 12 week program. So November, December time makes the most sense rather than selling it uh, in September or October when people then have to wait and hold off to use it. So, Oh my gosh, I love this. It's outside the box. It seems Mm -hmm. like you're filling in this white space. No one's doing this stuff. I mean, that might counselors. be a bad sign, though. What? That might no. be like, oh, this, no, no this one is, should have. <laughs> this is it. Like in, in the world of triathlon, Ironman, they'd be like, well, it's, you know, people say it's three sports, but it's really four because you have mm-hmm. a swim, a bike, a run, and then you have to have the mental toughness to get yourself to the finish and and Mm -hmm. that is you have to train you can't you're not just born with mental toughness you know so I think it's amazing actually makes me think again about our our kids and you know as you're like developing these really cool programs and you're growing and you're digging into yourself to help figure out how to help other people like what one value do you really want to instill in Bailey as she grows up? Hmm. Um, hmm. I guess it would be kind of trust, um, trust that her gut, know, uh, her gut, her instinct knows the way, trust that things will work out. Um, you know, if, if something you really wanted, like for me going to California, um, for university was what I really wanted. And when I didn't get that, I, you know, you see in the films where people like fall to the ground crying and are like crawling along the floor. Like (laughs) I was doing that like along the streets of London because I just, my life fell apart and I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. So things like that, like uh, in that moment, my life was a, a wreck. But then what happened? I went to Michigan and who did I meet there? My husband. So, you know, it would be trust that things will work out if one door, if one door closes, you know, as they say, another opens, but maybe it's a better one that opens. So I think it would be to trust um, in her instinct and, and just who she is, that she will know the way if she stops to listen to it. Oh, I love that. Well, and, and, and you, I mean, you've had to do that, right? So you're mm-hmm. sort of passing this down. And you mentioned your husband, who we haven't talked about at all, who you met in college. You guys have been together for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So he's, you guys have been on this journey through, I mean, when you meet that young, you're still in the formative years of like figuring out who you are even, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess we never really stopped that, but it's, it's a <laughs> little more intense maybe during mm-hmm. college and afterwards. So, uh, how, like, how is, the, how is your relationship sort of weathering all these different challenges over the years? Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. He has, uh, kind of over the years, uh, I don't want to say learn to stand up for himself, but as I said, he's very passive as is Bailey kind of, um, one of those people that doesn't really talk unless they've got something to say, but then that means I easily have the potential to kind of 
make all the decisions and, and not walk all over him because he's very comfortable in who he is, um, but kind of just to, to be a bit bossy. And so he's kind of learned, um, you know, there's some things, for example, right now, I, you know, I, I decided I'm going to do the, um, actually, it might be after this comes out, but there's a the mile race um, in the Brooklyn uh, New Balance Mile or whatever it's called uh, in New York that I'm doing after my live podcast and I said oh I'm going to do a mile like can you help me with my what should I do over the next few weeks to to get ready for it and he's like I'm not helping you um, I told you that I'm not helping you until you start stretching and rolling and doing all the little things and you're not doing them so I'm not helping you and I was like okay then fine um, so like he will kind of stick to his guns a bit more now um, so wait are you stretching and rolling and getting his help or are you no. just not getting his help <laughs> no and you know he said to me you know you could end up injured and I'm like honestly I if I do I don't care like I'll deal with it and I know that sounds horrible like I'm completely taking it for for granted and I am but like well I can get away with it in this period of my life you know this all those little things take up so much time and energy that during this time in my life while I can get away with it I'm just like I'm gonna try like even if you know yes I know it's not good for me I know I should be doing these things but you know when it comes to I have 20 minutes to do something well I'd rather do some work so that's kind of the choice I've made and he told me if you stop doing that stuff I'm not helping you you know, so, this is, it's really interesting. Um, well, the, the husband wife dynamic is a whole nother, mm-hmm. we, we need to have a different interview on that one too. And we can, <laughs> we can, uh, riff on, on living with other athletes. But, um, I also think this concept of like, you know, when I stopped racing, I still wanted to occasionally jump into events. And of course I was going to go hard, but I had time for about 50% less training like a mm-hmm. lot less training. But what I found is that my my times and results were only about 10% worse. I mean, that 10% makes you a pro versus an amateur, yeah. but it was still like, you're still the best amateur out there at 50% yeah. less training. So, yeah. I mean, I get it. <laughs> Absolutely. It. I did a, um, a 5K a few months ago and I, um, I just jumped in this local 5K. It was like 75 degrees. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just running easy. Yeah, less than half what, the, what I was doing before in mileage. And I ran just over 18 minutes. And my PR is, is 16.08. So it's about two minutes slower. So that would be more than 10%, right? No. What would I'm really... I don't I've know. I've been told I'm not supposed to say I'm bad at math, but <laughs> math is something I struggle with and I'm still working on. Yeah, you're working on it. So but, yeah, so my time was 16 and I ran 18, but I realized for most people, 18 is absolutely dreamland, like fast. But that's the yeah, same thing for you. Like I, I was barely doing anything and I could still do that. Like that is unfortunately right. for everyone listening, that is where you and I do have that talent that allows you to get away with that. Um, and it is, that is very frustrating. I understand that for everyone listening because it's not fair. Um, <laughs> but that is, yeah, I, I can kind of get away with doing the same thing. Um, well, we've been, we've been going for a while. I just have a couple more thoughts here yeah. as we Sorry, wrap. But, you know, we talk about like, um, is she still awake and standing up? She's lying down now, but still awake. <laughs> Love it. She's awesome. 
It's um, nice though, because now I'm going to hopefully get an hour or two afterwards to relax. Yes, amazing. She's really making it happen for you today. Um, so we talk a little bit here today about listening to your gut and trust, and this is like something that you hope that Bailey will grow up developing. Um. You know, you've had a couple emails lately and you and I talked a, a week or so ago about when things start to change internally, you feel it in your gut and you know, mm -hmm. like life is about to change, but maybe you don't know exactly in what direction yet. Mm -hmm. And I got the sense that you're maybe starting to feel those little seeds of change. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What's going on with you? Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned it to you. I it was after we stopped talking, right? After we finished recording. Yeah. So I have been, I, as I've mentioned a few times, like I've been going through books like crazy right now. I really just want to learn about like, um, so I'll read books. I had a great conversation with Lauren Fleshman and it was, um, on a lot of very deep topics that are not talked about, um, like prejudices and race and, and gender and just the, the lens that we view the world through. So I'm trying to read all these different books on like, confidence in women or um introverts as i said my husband and daughter are both introverts um or racism or um uh grit mindset things like that trying to learn and develop and grow and, and one that particularly spoke to me recently was melinda gates book the moment of lift it's not a typical book i would read i didn't really know or care for melinda gates one either way but it's something in it was speaking to me. She was talking about things that are very like serious problems, things that happen in other countries and in our own that are not good and things that most of us will bury our head in the sand and kind of pretend they're not happening, uh, saying that, you know, um, oh, I'm just too busy with my own problems. I can't be thinking about anyone else. But I'm getting this tug that I can't ignore them anymore. I need, I feel like I've got a part to play in this um, and I don't know what it is. Uh, as I said to you, I've always loved helping people feel good about themselves. So I even more, I feel like that's something that's meant to be a, a part in this. But it's that whole thing of, you know, we're often told by all these experts that you need to find your passion, find your purpose, be who you are. And to those of you listening, you hear that and we hear that. But you're like, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? And it's right now for me, I feel like I'm looking at a fuzzy picture. And I can't tell what's in the picture, but I know that that's where I'm going. Um, and so I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what that means to answer your question, but I just get the sense in my gut that um, something big is about to happen within my life. And I'm about to kind of speak out and take a stand on some things that I feel passionately about, even if that means displeasing some people, which I, I'm I don't know if you've struggled with that, but I definitely struggle with the idea of someone not liking me and the urge to not fix it and make make them like me. So, yeah, I don't know where it's going, but we'll find out. <laughs> well, that's that's going to be the fun next chapter. And, mm -hmm. you know, your your chapter you're in now, it did kind of happen overnight. And the next one might, too, or it may take time. And all of a sudden you'll find yourself in the next place. And here you are, like solving climate change. Like I could mm. feel the passion when you were talking to Claire on, on one oh, of your yeah. recent episodes, Claire Gallagher. Um, I can, I can tell that that could be part of your future yeah. equation. I mean, there's so many things you're passionate about and, and having a podcast that 
has such incredible empowered guests probably opens your mind Mm -hmm. even more occasionally maybe blowing your mind (laughs) to all the things that we can do to make this world a better place Mm -hmm. and one thing I have learned is that you know quite often things will make us feel really uncomfortable and our initial thought is like no that's wrong like oh you're just seeing that wrong like that doesn't that doesn't make sense that's just wrong but like I have to stop and remind myself that the western way the American way the British way is is not necessarily the right way of doing things yes there are some things like I mentioned about that Melinda Gates book um and uh I don't know how PG this is but this is far enough along I'm gonna if you have children switch it off like genital cutting I mean I don't care what culture you're in that is not right but like there are some things that maybe we have been kind of raised one way but actually we haven't ever given ourselves the time to think about actually like maybe there's another way of looking at this or maybe I haven't considered this so I feel like this whole thing is making me could be curious about each thing I'm thinking and whether it actually is true or whether I've just kind of been made to think that it is. So mm, I like that. Very deep. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's something for people to think about, you know, um, as we wrap up here, I want to do one little fun thing I haven't done before, but it just <laughs> struck me. So when I drop my girl off at school, I, I say to her, be good, listen to your teacher, be nice to everyone and have the best day ever. And we kind of like, ever? And she's like, yeah, whatever, mom. You know, but at the end of the day, I come home and I say, how was it? Best day ever. So I think about this concept of like, we can have the best day ever every day if we Mm -hmm. want to. So what does your best day ever look like? Hmm. Wait, are you saying like literally like I wake up and Yeah, what is your perfect best day ever? Not perfect. Perfect, not perfect. Mm-hmm. Best day yeah. ever. What okay. do you what do you include in your best day ever that fulfills you? Hmm. Um okay. My my gut thought, which I have to say it, was I would wake up and with my family and be in Disney World. <laughs> I'm such a Disney World nut. So that was my best thought. Love but, that. No, love I, I don't. I w- let's say because this is my best day ever, I don't have to utilize the whole thing until I'm, you know, a, 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 like a blob on the floor because I'm so exhausted. So let's say I'd spend, I wake up, um, I would go for a run, not in Disney World, because I don't know if you've ever done a run in Disney World. Uh, and not the races, but it's not that fun running along highways when people are not expecting to see runners. I have done that. So I would um, somehow transport myself to a nice place to do a run, let's say maybe a trail or a beautiful location, not that there's going to be any of those around Orlando, Florida, but somehow I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the mountains or something. And then I'm at Disney World. So I'm using a teleportation device. This is okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's allowed. Okay. Then I'm zapped into Disney World and miraculously no one's there. Well, not no. They're very small. Let's say 10% of the normal population is in there. And so we get on all the rides we want to do. So we do everything and we're pretty happy. This is me, Bailey, Steve, my sister and my niece and brother-in-law, my mum and dad. We go around Disney World for a few hours and uh, then we come out. We have a really amazing meal. 
Actually, no, we can have a character meal. We'll make the most of being in Disney. And then we can leave and we can go to the beach and I can go surfing and then we can watch the sunset. And yeah, that will be my best day. Okay, so here's what I heard. Family, fun, uh, workout, got to get that in. Mm -hmm. Um, Relaxing, food, and and, uh, what? Find celebration, celebration. There you go. I love yep. it. All right. Well, we rocked it today. You did so great. <laughs> I really you. appreciate no, I like it. getting inside your mind. So before we um before we go, I ask every guest who comes on the show to share one final nugget, one little piece of advice to help our listeners run their worlds in a bigger and better way. What would yours be? I would say focus on a few of those words Nicole just said, which is run your world it's too easy to look around and see what other people are doing um to see other other mothers other runners other people in your life and think oh their lives are so cool and forget that social media is a highlight reel um so you know all you can do is is the best that you can do with each day and and remember that everyone is just trying to do their best everyone's trying to portray their best life um and so just if whatever feels good to you, you know, I talked about being weird and, and wonderful. And one of my fans, Sally, she's wonderful. She um talked to me, sent me an email later that day saying that she put on, I think it was like vintage, vintage music in her, uh, at her work that day. And she just was like, I don't care what the coworkers think of me. And and that's exactly the, the approach, you know, run your world, do things the way you want to do. If that means singing in the car, looking like a complete weirdo like I often do because you're singing too excitedly do it like whatever makes you feel good follow follow your path I love it that's awesome great advice everybody so you can go finish up your 5k but maybe you're on your 10k now this podcast I've made you run too far (laughs) oh it's fantastic (laughs) awesome all right over and out thank you all right what an awesome episode what a great guest Um, so many topics. It's been really fun to interview such a diverse array of people over the past, gosh, probably about three years for this, for this podcast. And, um, every single one of them brings me something that I didn't have before. It was really fun to have Tina say at the end, focus on running your world. And I thought no one's ever like brought my own podcast into her nugget, but she's absolutely right. You know, we listen to uh, other people talk about their challenges, their struggles, their triumphs, their successes. And we often, you know, get caught up in what other people are doing. But the truth is that when you listen to this podcast, it's really about taking something amazing and using it to make your life better. So I appreciate Tina for bringing that up. For more on Tina, check out our website, tinamuir.com, T-I-N-A-M-U-I-R.com. Check out her mental training program that she's going to be launching, I believe, in November. She's in beta mode. It's going to be exciting. I think I might take it. 
I hope I can. I got to get in. I'm going to try to hit the hit the subscribe button before you guys all do. <laughs> I'm sure she'll have room for all of us. Speaking of subscribing, uh, check out her podcast, Running For Real. Subscribe to it. Help her get to 3 million downloads. She is doing really cool things, bringing great guests and great messages out into this world. I want to leave with one final thing that Tina mentioned today on the show, but I've also heard from many people outside of of Tina here, which is to make a gratitude list every morning. So as you're listening to this in your head right now, as we sign off, I want you to think about who and what and how you are grateful in this world that we live in because we are surrounded by a lot of things that are not so good and we need to come back to our center and find the positive. That is what this world and this life is all about. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. I cannot wait to share the story of Skirt next week. So uh, get online and, and send me your questions. Otherwise, I'll just be rolling through our history, which is my gosh, on its own, incredibly entertaining. All right, everybody, that's it. I think you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.